from Creation Ministries International, you're listening to Creation.com's article podcast. The research and insights that give God the glory, refute evolution, and give you the answers to defend your faith. I'm Joseph Darnell. Most of us came to a harsh realization of our mortality, even as children. It's a very gloomy prospect to comprehend that we will all eventually die. And I know from crushing personal experience that this sometimes happens to our loved ones sooner rather than later. None of us like death. Whether someone has lived a full life or dies too young, we grieve at their passing. The pain of loss causes us to ponder probably the most asked question, why? Why are we here if it's just to become nothing more than dust? And why me? Or perhaps, why us? In my experience, most Christians also struggle with this question. We might wonder why our loving and all-powerful Creator God would allow any of His precious children to suffer, sometimes in agony, before the end eventually comes. Indeed, it is not a pretty picture, and there's tragic evidence that many have turned their backs on God because of the death of a loved one or seeing a horrific international disaster that just did not make sense to them. But the struggle with the meaning of death is made far worse when people, including Christians, buy into an evolutionary understanding of death, often without even realizing it. If we do this, we can unwittingly accept some of its spurious concepts, including the idea that death is natural. As such, we might not provide satisfactory answers to others. A straightforward answer is found in Genesis. It provides a correct biblical understanding of history, rather than the false evolutionary one. Moreover, we can find great joy in realizing that our Creator God knows our plight and actually has done something about it. Almost everybody has been subjected to an evolutionary, long-age view of the world at some stage. That is, all organisms have danced to the tune of death and struggle over millions of years. This story constantly invades our lives in our education, the news, and even in children's literature. This deep-time death theme is a form of indoctrination, hence its widespread acceptance. For example, evolutionary astronomer Carl Sagan said in one episode of his immensely popular TV science series, Cosmos, the secrets of evolution are time and death. There's an unbroken thread that stretches from those first cells to us. His view, like most scientists today, merely echoed what Charles Darwin popularized in his famous book on the origin of species. Darwin wrote, Thus from the war of nature, from famine and death, the most exalted object which we are capable of conceiving, namely, the production of the higher animals, directly follows. There has been much written about Darwin's motivation for his theory. He struggled with the premature death of three of his children, and many commentators say that the death of his beloved 10-year-old daughter, Annie, finally destroyed any vestiges of Christian faith he had. He stopped attending church, something that I've seen many Christians do after losing loved ones. Darwin reached the idea that the world was ages old and concluded that death had been here from the beginning. In this view, God becomes the author of death and suffering and a cruel ogre. Death became king to Darwin, rather than the one who has the power over life and death. We see this death is king theme over in popular movies. 
The hugely influential science fiction author H.G. Wells was a rabid evolutionist who trained under Darwin's bulldog, Thomas Huxley. The 2005 Steven Spielberg remake of H.G. Wells' classic science fiction tale, The War of the Worlds, stays true to its evolutionary precepts of death and struggle. But I wonder how many could see Wells' anti-Christian ideas coming through. On an evolutionary scale, it employs the idea of older and therefore more technologically advanced Martians attacking the Earth with the aim of exterminating mankind. Wells wrote how these superior aliens viewed humans. No one would have believed in the last years of the 19th century that this world was being watched keenly and closely by intelligences greater than man's and yet as mortal as their own. That as men busied themselves about their various concerns, they were scrutinized and studied, perhaps almost as narrowly as a man with a microscope might scrutinize the transient creatures that swarm and multiply in a drop of water. In short, humans were nothing more than lower evolved creatures to be made extinct by a superior species. At the climax of the movie, humanity is spared because the Martians die from contracting a basic earthly disease to which humans are immune. To paraphrase Wells, the movie stated, At the toll of a billion deaths, man had earned his immunity, his right to survive against the planet's infinite organisms, because no man lives or dies in vain. The hero was time and death, evolution. But in this view, we actually do die in vain. There's no future hope for the individual beyond the grave. We will look at the biblical worldview right after a short break. Christ gives us hope in a fallen world, a fallen life. But why in the first place would Jesus and the Heavenly Father let all of creation suffer the curse, pain, and suffering to the extent of trouble that plagues all of us? It's one of the most asked questions. Why does a loving God allow death and suffering? Gary Bates, speaker, writer, and CEO of CMI USA, presents to you Why Does a Good God Allow Bad Things? A streaming video presentation also available on DVD. The heart of the Creator is revealed as Gary persuasively unfolds the often overlooked issue in today's evolution-creation culture wars, the vital big picture of the Gospel. Many hearts and minds were changed after hearing Gary explain the Gospel message with a powerful yet compassionate approach. If you need a fresh perspective of the Gospel and hope for the future, watch Why Does a Good God Allow Bad Things, available at creation.com store. In the evolutionary view, death is a good thing. Otherwise, we would not be here to discuss why we are here in the first place. When we see death all around us, whether in the natural world such as by earthquakes and tsunamis, or in atrocities committed by human beings upon one another, most Christians just seem to accept that such things are a natural happenstance and that God is remote. But don't buy into this. We need to renew our minds and think biblically. Romans 11 exhorts us, Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. When we view such things through the lens of Scripture, these bad things should serve as a strong reminder that something is tragically wrong with this creation. In Genesis 1.31, God describes His finished creation as very good. 
Contrasting with evolution, in 1 Corinthians 15, the Bible describes death as an enemy to humans, which will ultimately be destroyed. Death cannot be natural or good if it was not part of God's original creation of mankind. Scripture is very clear that there was no death and struggle prior to mankind's rejection of him via Adam and Eve. Whether it's man's inhumanity to his fellow kind or the unstoppable rampage of natural disasters, the root cause is the same. It is sin. Romans 6 states the wages of sin is death. In the book of Genesis, we read not only was humankind cursed, but it was the whole creation and everything in it. Even the very ground was cursed. This is reinforced in the New Testament. Romans 8.20-22 says, For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. And what is the hope that this New Testament passage talks about? It refers to a new, restored, good creation where death will be no more, like Revelation 21 talks about. To restore something means to return it to its original condition. Not only does this help us understand why there is death all around us, but it underlines the grave importance of, and need for, the gospel of Jesus Christ. If we have a correct view of death that is built upon the proper Genesis foundation of history, it can help us understand and furthermore answer for others those big questions of life such as, what happens to me when I die? And why is there death and suffering if God is good? God created humans to display His glory and to have eternal fellowship with Him. In short, we would have lived forever. But because our sin marred us, living forever would have eternally separated us from God. We were also the pinnacle of His creation and were given dominion and, thus, great responsibility over the creation, as it states in Genesis 1.28. Our actions corrupted His whole creation. This is where the gospel, the very sacrifice of Jesus in all its power, is majestically shown. When God instituted the curse of death, it actually provided a way for human beings to be rescued from this fallen world and to be reconciled back to their Creator. Isn't it incredible to think that even though we messed up His creation, the Creator Himself left His glory and suffered the disgrace of our actions by dying on a cross in our place? In an episode of Cosmos, Carl Sagan also said, Somewhere, something incredible is waiting to be known. How correct he was. He was actually pondering those big questions, but sadly, because of his evolutionary view of death, he was blinded to the simple and plain truth of the gospel. He apparently died an atheist, and tragically will now endure a second death as an unbeliever. Jesus said that God causes the rain to fall on the righteous and the unrighteous. Both believers and non-believers will share the same sin-cursed planet, and there's nothing we can do of ourselves to save ourselves from the effects of it. The difference for believers is that God has indeed done something about their condition and all the death and suffering in this world. He sent Jesus. This is how God's grace and mercy manifested itself to us. Grace has been described as unmerited favor. How true. So instead of asking, 
why me? Perhaps we should be asking, why not me? And be thankful that God indeed has done something about the terrible legacy of death. The Creation.com article podcast is hosted by me, Joseph Darnell. You'll find lots of interesting related content in the links and show notes. This episode's article was written by Gary Bates. Be sure to listen to our other show, Creation.com Talk. Visit our events page to find a creationist giving a presentation in your local area. If you'd like to help us, become a monthly supporter at Creation.com donate. If you want the latest noteworthy research and news, subscribe to Creation Magazine. From everyone at Creation.com, thanks for listening.